So I was talking to a friend, a friend of ours, to make it clear. <laughs> so um, as I was talking to her, and she told me that how she's been to China for six months to do ministry. And after that, she came back to America. And she wanted to go to school to be an engineer and also get her PhD. And, but at the same time, she felt like God was calling her to go back to China for three years. So she received that call. But that same year, she received a full scholarship to go to college for free and to be an engineer and also to receive, to receive her PhD. Now she has a choice to make, either to go back to China for three years or go back to school and live the American dream, be an engineer, make a lot of money one day. So she, so she decided to spend some time with God three days and just praying and asking God for more confirmation about the calling. And sure enough, God confirmed to her that, yes, you need to go back to China for three more years. And now she had another choice to make. Now she had to tell her parents, which was a tough one for her to make. So she talked to her parents and told them that, Mom, Dad, no, I know you guys really want me to go back to China, uh, go back to school and pursue my dream, but I feel like God is calling me to, be, to go back to China for three more years to share the gospel with people. And of course, her parents were like, no way. No, are you crazy? You got a full scholarship to go to school, to get your PhD, to be an engineer, and now you want to go back to China for three years? She said, yeah, that's what God's called me to do. I mean, they were not happy about it. It was a few months later that her mom called her and called her, tell her that, hey, I understand that you, know, you want to go back to China to share the gospel, and I want to respect that. It looks like it's more valuable than going back to school and make a lot of money. But sharing the gospel and save souls for the gospel is a beautiful thing. And then finally she went back to China this year. She let, her, she let go of her American dream, let go of college, and go back to China to share the gospel so that people can know who our Savior is. And for today, you know, my message is tied to her testimony. And the title of my sermon is Losing Your Life to Save It. A lot of times, you know, we try to save our life. You know, we try to gain the pleasure of this world and try to gain popularity. But we have a Jesus who said that, are you willing to let go of everything for the kingdom? And before I go to my sermon, I want to ask you guys some questions. The first question I want to ask you guys is, how serious do we take the word of God? When you read the word of God and you see the thing Jesus says in this book, how serious do we take it? Do we just read it and be like, wow, that was beautiful? Or do we really like, okay, this is Jesus speaking. And whatever he's saying in this book, I'm going to obey and listen to what he has to say. My second question is, are we as serious about Jesus as he's about himself? Because there are a lot of things Jesus say about himself. And when we read them and we're like, nah, he didn't really mean that. I think he meant this instead. But really, are we as serious as he is when he said to deny yourself, pick up that cross and follow me? And he actually did it for us to show us what it's going to look like? Like, do we take it that serious when Jesus said, follow me, pick up that cross, deny yourself? Do we take him that serious? And third question is, how much do we trust and believe in this book? When we read it, do we believe in it? 
Do we believe that this book can change lives? This book can transform lives for the kingdom. And this book has power in it. And this is the word of God. When we speak it, we, when we read it, we're reading the word of God. Do we believe and trust that? My next question is, how much do you really love Jesus? After all that he says about himself, are you still passionate about him? Do you still have the desire to seek after him? No matter what it costs, do you really, really love this Jesus? Well, this Jesus you've never seen, do you really, really love him? And do you really know who he is? Because this book, it tells a lot about who Jesus is, about who God is. When you read it, do you know who he is? I want you guys to really think about these questions. How serious do you take Jesus? How serious do you take his word? And how much you know, do you take him as serious as he takes himself? And how much do we trust and believe in this book? And how much do you really love this Jesus? And do you really know who he is? Is your desire to know him and seek him? You know, as David says in Psalm 27, he said, one thing that I have desired is to, that I desire and seek. He doesn't just desire to know God, but he seek after it. He seek to know God, to know him. Do you only desire God or do you desire and seek after him, after his word, after who he is? Do you, do you, do you really desire for this Jesus, this God, and do you seek after him daily? So I ask you guys this question because I believe that maybe a lot of us may not believe it, but if you look around this world we live in, it looks like we, we're like in the end of time. We see Christians so easily. No, we're easily entertained by what the world, is, the world is feeding us. We enjoy the comfort. We enjoy the culture. We neglect the truth of Christ so that we can fit in with what the world is teaching us. And we say, well, let's not say this because we'd, we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Because if we hurt their feelings, they're not going to like us. We're not going to be popular. No. They're not going to invite us on this TV show. So let's not speak the truth. Because if we do, they're going to think Christianity is corny. Jesus, this Jesus is mean. He's hatred. He doesn't love us. This is what the world wants us to believe. But the word of God, there's truth in there. And if we're going to follow God, we have to follow him as he is. And not, and not this Jesus we portrayed in our mind and be like, yeah, he's okay with what we do. A lot of the time we abuse his grace. We abuse his love. We say, well, because he loves us so much, it's okay to do this. You can repent later. But in this book, he promised that one day he's going to come back. And people fall down on their faces. There will be those that, they will say, hide us from the wrath of God. Like, this is this is Jesus speaking. If you think I'm lying, go read Revelation. Like, this is not Aaron saying stuff to scare you, but this is Jesus speaking. Say, when he comes back, people will be on their faces, on their knees, because he's so majesty. He's so holy. And people will fall down on their faces to worship this majesty. And they try to hide himself from the wrath of God. And as you can see, they won't be able to hide behind their tweets their Instagram post, 
their big houses, their nice cars, they won't be able to because the glory of God will shine and the king of kings will come back in every single knee. And you know what the word for, the, the word for every means in Hebrew? It means every. <laughs> it means every single knee will bow down before him. It doesn't matter how rich, how poor, how smart, how intelligent. If you're the president, if you're the vice president, if you're the king, if you're the queen, if you're a Christian, if you're an atheist, he said every single knee will bow down before the king and every time will confess that he is Lord. <sighs> that was a lot. So if you have your Bible, please turn to me to Mark chapter 8. And we're going to read and we're going to see what, God is, what Jesus is saying to us. So Mark chapter, Mark chapter 8. If you are there, you can give me a thumb up. If you're not there, give me a thumb down. <laughs> wow. I'll wait for you guys. Thumb up, thumbs up. All right. Cool, cool. Okay, let's do this. Let's start in verse 34. Now listen to what Jesus said. So I'm reading from New King James Version, so my version might be different than yours. It's the same word. So Mark chapter 8, verse 34. And this is Jesus speaking. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed. And when he comes, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. God, I pray right now that you will speak. And I pray for the Holy Spirit to manifest in this place, God. Open our eyes, open our hearts and our ears to receive your word. And God, if at any point we feel convicted that we'll not turn away from you based of our emotion, but that we'll humble ourselves before you, God, and listen to what you have to say. Because you are better than anything in this world. There is nothing in this world is more satisfying than you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. So to give you guys a little background of this, verse because, I mean, it would be crazy all of a sudden to just preach in Mark, chap Mark chapter 8, verse 34. I mean, there, there has to be a background why all of a sudden Jesus just commanded us to pick up our cross, to follow him, or if we try to gain the whole world and lose our soul. There has to be a background story of what. So to understand this, we can, if you're still in Mark chapter 8, if you want to, you can turn to verse 27, Mark chapter 8, verse 27, it will give us a background of what Jesus, why Jesus said all this stuff. Now when Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesar, Philippi, and on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, who do men say that I am? 
So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah and others. And one of the prophets, he said to them, to them, who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. Verse 30, then he strictly warned them that they should not tell anyone about who he is. In verse 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed after the days and be killed after three days rise again. He spoke his word open, this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. When he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And then after that, he went to verse 34 and says, you know, Whoever desires to follow me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. So we see the background of the story. While all of a sudden, Jesus tells him what they have to do in order to follow them. And as you can see, there are a group of people following Jesus, his disciples, and then there were a lot of other people to following him. And he noticed that their desire to follow them. But at the same time, they have no idea what it would cost them to follow this Christ. And Jesus, he had to be honest with them. He had to be honest and tell them what, you know, what's going to cost them to follow him. And I love how all of a sudden, it says that he openly spoke to them. And what that means is that he didn't say it in parables. He didn't try to, he didn't say it in a way that they would not understand what he was saying. He wanted to make it plain and easy for them to understand. Because this was very important for them to hear and to get. Because if you're going to follow him, this is what's going to cost you. So he wanted them to get it. Because before that, no, he would tell, when he talked about his death, he would just put it in parable. This is my body being broken for you. But he never put it like in, in an already version, let's just say, how his death was going to look like. And after he said that, and of course, you see, Peter tried to rebuke him and be like, whoa, you can't, you should not be speaking like that. No, because this is very, like, tough for people to get. If you want people to follow you, like, they're already following you. So if you say stuff like that, they're going to turn away from you. And Jesus, he said, and it says that when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, what that means is that when he turned, he noticed that they have to know what it will cost him to follow him. So he rebuked Peter, and then he talked to them about his death. And one of the reasons we can ask, you no, know, why did Peter try to stop Jesus? Why did Peter try to stop Jesus from talking about his death. Well, as you see in verse 29 of chapter 8, it says that Peter had just confessed who Christ was. When Jesus asked him, so who do men say I am? Peter said, well, I said that you're the Christ. So that means if Jesus is talking about his death, how they're going to kill him, and he just told the scribes and the people that he is the Christ, that it will show to Peter that he was lying. So he was like, ah, you can't speak like that. I just told people that you're the Christ. And here you are talking that about your death. And people are going to think that I'm lying, that you weren't really Christ. And another reason you no know, Peter tried to rebuke Jesus, in Matthew, 19, in Matthew 16, 19, Jesus promised Peter that he should have the key of the kingdom of heaven. 
So it makes sense that, you know, for Peter to rebuke Jesus. So he just confessed that Jesus is Christ. And Jesus also promised Peter that he will have the key of the kingdom of heaven. And here is Jesus talking about his death. Peter was like, all right. So people, first, people are going to think that I'm lying to them. And secondly, I'm not going to receive the key of the kingdom of heaven. So he rebuked Jesus for that and just tell him, no, Peter, you only think of earthly things. You think of heavenly stuff. As you see, there are people following Jesus, a crowd of people. And do you see how it says that whoever, whoever means anyone who wants to follow him, you, me, rich people, poor people, if you want to follow me, this is what's going to cost you. Before you think of following me, before you think of coming after me, this is what's going to cost you. And the word desires means to will, to have in mind, to intend, to resolve or determine for a purpose, to wish, hope, or thinking of. If you wish, if you desire to come after me, it's not going to be easy. And the word come after me means no. It can be described as follow. But you follow me. You follow my word. You follow what I say. You follow my teaching. You follow my footstep. And we see that Jesus wasn't forcing anyone to follow him. He said, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you this. And if you want to accept the loss, if you want to accept the pain, the suffering, then you can come after me. And as you can see, Peter wasn't really having it. So we see Jesus give a clear description of what his death is going to look like, how they're going to kill him, and on the third day he'll rise again. Now, I often hear people say that it is dangerous to follow Christ or that, you know, it's going to cost you a lot to follow Christ. But what if I tell you that it's more dangerous to not follow Christ? It will cost you more if you don't follow this Christ. Because in this verse, in 34 to 38, we see Jesus give us an explanation what it will cost to follow him and what it will cost to not follow him. He says, whoever tried to gain this world, whoever tried to save his soul, will what? Will lose it. So there's like, there's two loss that's, that you're going to have to go through. The loss of following Christ, which is good, because you're going to gain more in it. And the loss of not following him, which is not good, because you will spend eternity away from him. And now the choice is yours. Are you willing to accept the cost of following Christ? Or are you willing to accept the cost of not following him? And do you see how it says that, no, whoever is ashamed of me in this, in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of God will be ashamed of them when he comes to glory. And he's talking about heaven. So, are you willing to give up everything? You know, just let the world make fun of you. Carry that cross. Because there's something better in heaven waiting for us. And that's th that better thing in heaven is worth losing everything in this world. Because when he comes back, everything in this world will, will be over. This is, this is just temporary stuff. But eternity with Christ is eternity with him. And it's worth more than anything in this world. 
So we see in this verse, Jesus gave us three comments. If you're willing to follow me, first you have to deny yourself. Pick up the cross and follow me. And those three comments he gave us, they are daily things we have to do. We have to deny ourselves daily. We have to carry our cross daily. And every day we have to follow him. So if anyone will come after him, let him deny himself. Take up that cross daily and follow me. What does it mean to deny ourselves to follow this Christ? See, the Christian life is a willingness to sacrifice oneself, worldly possession, or statuses to follow this Christ. So we deny ourselves. We deny the, what the world has to offer us, the pleasure of this world, because there's something better in heaven waiting for us. It's like we're willing. You know what we're like? Those stuff I count as rubbish, as Paul says. They're just trash to me. But eternity with God in his glory, that's everlasting. That's eternity. So to deny ourselves also means to die to ourselves. So daily we have to die to ourselves. Because there's like a war going between our flesh and the self. And if we don't deny daily, then the flesh is going to take over. The self is going to take over. We're just going to find ourselves just seeking after, after temporary stuff. So we have to deny it. When the, when the flesh say, ah, don't go to church today, we have to say, no, I'm going to church today. When the flesh say, don't talk to them about Christ, we have to say, no, I'm going to talk about Christ. They need to hear the gospel. When the flesh says, don't sing today, it's not worth it. Don't sing, don't pray today, don't read your Bible today. We have to deny that and be like, no, I'm going to sing today. I'm going to worship today. I'm going to pray today. I'm going to read my Bible today. We have to deny it every single day. I mean, let's be honest. Do we always find it easy to read our Bible in the morning or every day? Do we always find it easy to come to chapel or go to church and sing and raise our hands to God and worship him? And these are the moments we have to deny the flesh. I'm not going to stand up here pretend that I'm perfect. No, I have to fight with the flesh too and be like, no. I'm going to worship God today. Although it's tough, although, although no, it's not going to be easy, I'm going to read my Bible today. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to pray today. I'm going to church today. So we have to deny the self. We deny our own wills, whether it is small or large. No, we don't live for the world anymore. We live for him. We follow him. We deny any worldly treasure, satisfaction, anything that we think this world can save our soul from, we deny that because only Christ can. Now, those things that are hard to deny, you know, I'm going to stand in front of you. I'm not going to stand here and acting like I'm perfect. I know those things are not easy to deny, but we have to deny it. Before I came to Elam, I remember me and my friends, you know, we had to make plans you know, to get our own apartments, you know, you know, get a good job, have parties every day, invite different people there, seeking after worldly stuff, you know, go to parties, go to clubs. You know, that's what we're planning on doing. Because we're, because we're finding our self-identity, we're dealing with self-denial, with self-identity, we're de dealing with anxiety, depression, 
we're dealing with lust, pornography, we're struggling. So we're trying to find anything that can fill this, fill this vow, this emptiness of us. That's what we're trying to seek for. We'll just find ourselves just watching pornography and the next day go to church and raise our hands and worship God as if life is perfect, as if we're holy and righteous. And we try to hide our guilt, our shame, flirting with different people, flirting with sin, making fun of other Christians. So me and my friend, we had already made all the plans. You know, be adults. You know, just take whatever will satisfy the flesh. So those were, that was our dream, what we wanted to do. It wasn't until then, in 2017, the guy was like, what are you doing? So I call you to do this. I call you to preach the word. I call you for a greater purpose, and this is how you live in your life. And at that moment, I had to deny the flesh. I had to crucify the flesh to follow this Christ. It wasn't long ago my friends called me. They're like, man, what are you doing at a Christian Bible school, man? I'm home, bro. Let's enjoy the real life. That's where all the fun is. And of course, the flesh was like, that sounds good, man. But, I had to, but the Holy Spirit had to remind me that you have to crucify the flesh. You have to deny the flesh. And the fact that I'm standing here speaking to you guys, it's all because of this Savior. Because God is so rich in mercy. His love for us is so beautiful, so great. Because of his great love, which he had loved us, rescued me out of this emptiness, this foolishness. Helped me to find my purpose and my identity in him. See, once you find that, worldly pleasure means nothing to you. The satisfaction of this world means nothing to you. As Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he gives us a, a clear picture of what it means to deny ourselves. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who live in me. In the life now that I live in the flesh, I live in faith for the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Do you hear this? I have been crucified with Christ. So this flesh is dead, and it is Christ who lived in me. In the life that I live, I live for him only to glorify him because he loved him. He gave himself for me. Denying, denying ourselves means to submit to God, to submit to his, to embrace his will. It is something we have to do every day, no matter how painful, how hard it is. We have to deny it. I'm going to follow Christ. We denounce that. We say no to, to ourselves and we follow Christ. When we denounce that, we submit to the will of God. We do it daily. And the second comment he gave us is, pick up the cross. He says in Luke 9.23, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Do you know what the meaning of the cross means back in the day? The cross was a well-known instrument of most cruel shame, disgrace. It was despicable. It was de degrading a person. And they had to carry it. While they were stripped naked, 
And people were just making fun of him, kicked him, spit on their face. And Jesus said, you willing to pick up that cross for me? I said, are you, like, seriously, are you guys willing to? And he told those people, are you willing to be, make fun of for me? Are you willing for people to spit on you? For people to just make you feel like less than human? I know a lot of time, though, when we see the cross, you know, we see it as a necklace, or some of us we might have a tattoo of it, or we might have a picture of it on the wall at our home. I have it on my shirt right now, right? This is how we picture it as. But, okay, let's just put it that way. Just imagine that you were carrying an electric chair on your neck. That's what, it, that's what the cross meant. It represents death. <laughs> That's why it represents. So next time we put that cross on our neck, let's remember what it stands for. So that he literally said, like, give up comfort, give up statuses, give up, give up everything if you're going to follow me. Pick up that cross. Because I'm, I'm about to do the same for you guys. And as you can see, he did. He carried that cross for us. He was willing to be, to make fun of for us. Like the son of God humble himself to become one like us. He was made a little, a little lower than the angel so that we can be his righteousness. Us. God becoming like us and be like, I'm going to give up everything for them. He left his glory so that we might become his righteousness. And what do we do every day? A lot of time, we're like, that's cool. We see the sacrifice the Son of God has done for us. And as he was on that cross, listen to the word he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they've done. The same people who nail him, on, nail him on that cross, those who spit on him, ripped on his beard, kicked him, he said, Forgive them. They have no idea what they've done. And then he gave us this invitation. If you repent, I'm willing to forgive all of your sin. This, this is this Jesus we serve. But the story didn't end there, though, after he took his last breath. Because on the third day, he conquered that death so that we might live with him forever one day. And he said, to follow me. To follow me is to go with the person, follow their footsteps. Because a lot of time we said, no, follow Christ. But who is this me we're following? Who is this Jesus we're following? Like, if I mean to say that, follow Tim Case, you'll be like, if you don't know who Tim Case is, you'll be, who's Tim Case? Then I have to tell you who Tim Case is. So who's this Jesus we're following? You probably heard of him before. But let's look into scripture, how the Bible describes this Jesus we get to follow. All right? So this Jesus we get to follow, he's the son of God, as you already know. He humbled himself, carried that cross for us. This Jesus did not count equality with God. He gave up everything so that we might become his righteousness. In Philippians 2.6, it says that, 
who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God so that we might become his righteousness. He left his throne. He veiled his divinity. If you take theology too, you might know what I'm talking about. He veiled his divinity so that he might become one like us. In Hebrew 2, 9, it says that, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Second Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he made himself to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become his righteousness. We are following the son of God. Verse 35 says that, don't try to hide from the cause of following Christ. In Mark, in Mark chapter 8, verse 35, it says, don't try to hide. Don't be ashamed of who he is. Otherwise, the son of God will be ashamed of who you are. So count everything as nothing. Don't try to save your life. Otherwise, you're just going to find yourself standing in front of God, and Jesus will be like, I don't know who that person is. So don't be ashamed of him. So why give everything for Christ? Why should a Christian accept the cause of following Christ? Because the happiness of Christ, with Christ is enough to make up for the loss of life itself for him. So to have full happiness in God, in Christ, it's worth more than losing everything. Because it's, eter it's eternity with him. It's eternity with Christ. So it's okay to lose everything. In other words, losing everything here can never be able to compare with the joy we'll have with Jesus Christ. In Matthew 13, 45, 46 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like the merchant in search for fine pearl, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is how Jesus described the kingdom of God. It's worth everything. That this man, after he found it, he sold everything. His houses, his Mercedes Benz, his Lamborghini. He sold everything for that one pearl. Do you notice that it didn't say pearls? It says pearl. Because that thing he found was more precious than everything, than any other pearls, than any other, than money, than anything. He gave it up for it. And this is the kingdom of God. So are you willing to give up everything for him? My question for you guys is, what are you willing to sacrifice for Christ? And what are you ashamed of to give up for Christ? What are the things keeping you away from following Christ? Is your goal to fool people, making, making them think that I'm going to make it to heaven? Is that your goal, to fool people so that they can think you're going to make it to heaven? That was my goal, you know? I go to church, I read my Bible. But when it's not Sunday, I'm just with my friend, just having fun. While people in church think that, oh, he's a holy, righteous God. Don't let this be our goal. Let's try not to fool people thinking that we're going to make it to heaven. Because once you're dead, that's it. <laughs> There's no turning back. Is Christ worth it all? And why do you follow Christ? I know tomorrow we're going, we're going on a break. Here's my question for you guys. What if when you go on break and then you got home and your parents were like, oh, honey, um, we're not Christians anymore. Or oh, also the pastor says that he's not Christian anymore. 
So we don't follow Christ anymore. Would you still have that desire in your heart and be like, Mom, Dad, I'm still going to follow this Christ. What if all those big Christian people you look up to and one and they were like, Christ was all a myth. Are you willing to say that? I don't care. I'm still going to follow this Christ. Is your desire of your heart to follow him no matter the cost, whatever it costs you? Are you willing to follow this Jesus? Do you love him? Do you desire to love him? Are you passionate about him? See, I don't want to waste my life in this world. We only have like a few years to live. What are we going to try to gain in this world? And then just to find ourselves dead one day. Because you can, spend, you can either spend eternity with Christ or eternity away from him. Don't try to gain this world. Don't try to gain everything in this world. Just sacrifice everything for him. Deny the flesh. Pick up that cross. Yes, it will hurt. Trust me. When you stand in the glory of God, of this beautiful Savior, <laughs> let, me, let me show you guys something. In Isaiah chapter 6, listen to how Isaiah described Jesus when he, when he, when God gave him the vision of what heaven looks like. Listen. In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. In the train of his robe and temple above it stood seraphim. Seraphim means that angels who are burning on fire. They stand in the glory of God. And they have six wings, two to cover their face, two to cover their feet, and two to fly. Do you see this? And those angels, they are holy. They are without sin. And here they are standing in front of a holy and righteous God. Do you know what that means? Our God is without equal. If holy angels singing holy, holy day and night to him, our God is without equal. And a lot of time, I think we take the word holy lightly. We say holy crap, holy cow, holy this, holy that. And those, those holy angels, they describe, they scream day and night, holy, holy are you, Lord. Do you see this beautiful Savior we get to serve, we get to follow? Like, why wouldn't you want to give up everything for him? So that one day we can be in heaven with the angels and sing holy and holy to him. See how they hide their faces, their feet? Because our Savior is so beautiful and so glorious. Right now as I'm speaking to you guys, they're singing holy to him. And when we go to bed tonight, they're still singing holy to him. And when you die, they're still going to sing holy to him. Day and night, thousands of them, not just one, two, thousands of angels burning on fire, just singing holy to our beautiful Savior. And this is the God we get to follow. And this is the God who humbled himself and died for us. This girl said, Jesus said, I have miracles. We're like, yeah, I want that. Who wants to preach? Oh, I want that. Who wants the anointing? We all, be like, we all say, I want that. But Jesus said, die to yourself. We're like, whoa. I'll think about that. Do you want Christ for who he is? When you go home, are you willing to be like, 
I'm not going to let anything keep me away from this beautiful Savior. So that one day, when I stand in his presence with holy angels, I can sing, holy, holy are you, Lord. This is our beautiful Savior, guys. Let's not let anything in this world keep us away from that. That's going to be for eternity. For eternity. The pleasure of this world is just temporary. It's just temporary, guys. Because once you die, you're not going to take anything with you. And it's just going to be you and God. And he's going to judge you and ask you, what did you do with my son? Did you sacrifice everything for me? It's worth it. I follow Christ because he's the only way. I follow Christ because there's nothing in this world that can save my soul. Only he can. So I would encourage you guys. It's okay if they make fun of you. It's okay to carry that cross. It's okay to go through pain for him. It's okay. He went through the same for us. Matter of fact, he died for us. He gave up everything. I had to make fun of him. And you know who he was thinking of? You and me. And those who spit on his face, they kicked him. He was thinking of us. So I want to encourage you guys to please stand with me. And I'm going to challenge you guys. If in any way the Holy Spirit speaks to you, and if there's anything you're holding back, maybe there's a boyfriend or girlfriend in your life that you know this relationship is not healthy and God's telling you to let go of that but you're like God it pleases my flesh I want it and God was like just let go of it I encourage you to surrender to him right now just let go of everything see I'm not going to ask anyone to come up this is between you and God God will see just surrender everything to him just give everything. Let go of this world, the pleasure of this world. Because our Savior is he's glorious. He's beautiful. God, right now I pray that you will open our eyes, God. Open our heart, God. Whatever it is we have to let go of. I pray we'll let go of it right now, Jesus. Because we love you. We love the gospel. And help us to be more like you. And I pray that we'll not be ashamed of who you are. And that we'll be bold in our faith. And that we'll make disciples for you, God. Give us strength. Because we need you daily. And it's in your heavenly, powerful name we pray, God.